0: Today, we're going to wrap up the series, The Other Side. And I want to talk to you about the other side of an enemy. And when I first started out preparing for this message weeks and weeks ago, I was planning on going in a different direction. But as I have studied and just spent some time with the Lord, I feel like this is what I need to hone in on as we look at how to get to the other side of an enemy. As many of you know, before Tiffany and I started People's Church, we traveled full-time across the nation speaking at events and churches and camps and conventions, and and I, I established some great friendships when I traveled. And there was one pastor friend in particular that we became really close, close friends, and I ate together with, with, with him. I I, I traveled and preached to at his church on many occasions, stayed in the, him and his family's home, and we were close, close friends. I confided in him. I got advice from him, and he was one of the people that I told that I was going to start a church that Tiffany and I felt like God was calling us to sell our home in Missouri, move to Oklahoma City, and to start a church, and I told him about that, and, and he gave me lots of great advice. He, had, he, he, he was a pastor and had been pastoring, and, and I had never pastored before so he was offering me all kind of wisdom and advice and about two years into people's church I called up my my close friend to get some advice about a critical season that we were in in our church a very pivot, pivotal critical decision and I wanted his wisdom and counsel so I called him and he began to give me some whacked out advice and I was like Okay, now why are you telling me this? I know you're wise. I know you're smart. I know you have experience. You've given me such good counsel before. Why are you giving me something and telling me something that's going to sabotage the church? He was giving me advice. It was going to sabotage the dream. It was going to sabotage the vision. It was going to sabotage the entire direction of the church. And I knew he was wise enough to know that. I don't know what happened in the friendship. But all of a sudden, at that very moment, I realized this guy's no longer for me. And he wants to sabotage what God is doing in my life and at the church. And many of you can relate because you have relationships, you have people that you know that are trying to sabotage your life. Some of you are dealing with it right now. Possibly it's at work, and there's somebody at work, a co-worker, who's trying to undermine you, and they're always talking about you, and they've got buddy-buddy and good in, good good inroads with the boss, and they're lying about you and what you're doing, and, and you look at them, and you're going, why are you trying to sabotage my career? For some of you, it's it's it's, it's a friend, and, and maybe they're not the closest friend, but they're an associate and you know them and you kind of call them a friend in your outer circle and, and they're trying to destroy your marriage and every time they get around you they're always sowing negative seeds. so so why did why, why why in the world are you still married to him why are you still married to her what's what's going on i mean i can't believe y'all married anyways i mean and they're always so and every time they're with your spouse they're always sowing negative seed about you and and there's there's tension in your home and you didn't even realize it but this person is trying to sabotage your marriage some of you it's your dream like what happened to me and there are people in your life that you consider close friends and every time you try to climb up they pull you back down you're trying to get the education, get the master's degree, get the, get, get the doctorate degree. You're trying to start the business. You're trying, to, you're trying to make the career move. You're trying to get the resume filled out. And they always pull you back down. You can't do that. And they yank you back down. You can't. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. And they're always pulling you back down. And then you look at them and you go, why? You're my friend. Why would you be sabotaging my future? And today I want to talk to you about a story in the Bible i referred to this story several times recently, but I want to teach today from a fresh perspective from this story. Israel was in bondage and slavery to Egypt for over 400 years. And God had promised Israel before they ever went into bondage a land that he was going to take them to a promised land flowing with milk and honey. That was their destination that God had for them. But Pharaoh, Pharaoh, an Egyptian, the king was holding them back, was keeping them trapped, was sabotaging their future and keeping them from the promised land that God had for them. And today, I want us to learn from Israel about how to get on the other side of an enemy. Israel teaches us some very powerful truths about how to deal with the enemies that try to sabotage our future. Let's learn from them today. Number one is this. Number one, confront your enemy. Confront your enemy. I want you to notice this from Israel's history in Exodus chapter 7 and verse 15. The Bible says, go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river. Confront him. Now, in the church, we're not very good at confronting Matter of fact, as human beings in general, we're not very good at confronting people. We oftentimes, especially in the church, we're passive. Some of you are like, as I'm teaching right now, you're like, really? Confront? Are you sure? And then some of you are like, yeah, and you're all aggressive and you jack it all up the other way. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so we're just not very good at confronting. But, but God tells Moses, go confront him verse number 15, on the bank of the Nile and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to say to you, you always confront in the Lord's strength. You always go in the Lord and with his strength and power and love, you go in the Lord, not in the flesh. He said, the Lord sent me. He goes on to say in verse number 16. Let my people go so that we, so that they may worship me in the wilderness. God says, tell them to let you go so they can, you guys can worship me and lift up me. You see, the only reason we go confront is to lift up Jesus, is to magnify the Lord, is that he will be glorified. It's never about us. It's never about what we want. It's always about Jesus being lifted up. He says, so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now, you have not, you have not listened. Understand this, so, so, so critical. If, if Moses would not have confronted Pharaoh, Israel would have still been in captivity. The reason that they were able to get out of captivity was Moses went as the Lord instructed, and he confronted Pharaoh. And that was key for Israel to get on the other side of their enemy. What I want to do today is give you seven principles of biblical confrontation. Seven principles. I would encourage all of our note takers to grab a pen, grab a piece of paper. I would really encourage you to write this down. I realize some of you have a photographic memory and you can just sit there and stare at the screen and memorize it all. Yeah. Okay. But I would encourage you, I would encourage you really to grab a pen because I really, I really believe what I'm getting ready to share with you is life-changing. I really believe what I'm getting ready to share with you will help you deal with people problems and people issues in your life. And we all face them. The first principle of biblical confrontation is, number one, you go to talk to the person. You go to talk to the person. Go talk to them. If you have hurt, if you have offended, if you have wounded, If you have damaged a relationship with somebody, then hear me, it is your responsibility to go to that person and make things right. You don't wait. You don't go, well, if I really hurt them, they'll come to me. You don't go, well, I'm just going to pray about it. No. No, 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 no. The Bible says... You go and make things right. I want you to see what the Scripture says in Matthew chapter 5. In just a moment, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 8, and the other six principles are going to come from there. But I want you to notice what the Scripture says in Matthew 5 and verse 23. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, in other words, you're worshiping God, and you suddenly remember that somebody has something against you because you've hurt them, you've wounded them, You've damaged them, and you are, you're aware of it. It says this, verse 24, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled. You go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So if you've hurt somebody, you wounded somebody, you've done somebody wrong, Scripture says you go and make it right. Now, let me switch gears. If somebody... Especially a Christian has hurt you. They've damaged you. They've wounded you. They've offended you. Please hear me. Here's what you need to do. You need to go to that person and have a conversation. That's right. I said, you go. You go, what? They hurt me. They did me wrong. They offended me. They damaged me. They should come to me, and they should. But if they don't, you go to them. Let me tell you what God is all about. God is all about us having peace. He's about us having peace with him, and he's about us having peace with each other. Here's what the scripture says in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 15. If another believer sins against you, go. They've sinned against you. They've hurt you. They've done you wrong. They've offended you. You go privately and point out the offense. The Bible says you go, and a lot of people, you know what? They don't go. They don't go. They they don't go and try to make it right. You know instead what people do? They hide it. They hide the hurt. They walk around with bitterness in their heart. They gossip about the person. They hold a grudge. That's what people do. That's how people tend to respond. They, 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 They hold a grudge and they never go to the person. But the Bible says we should go and talk to the person who has hurt us. I want you to see a second, a second principle of biblical confrontation. Number two is this. You go talk to the person privately. Get that down. Go talk to them privately. Listen to what the scripture says in Matthew 18, verse number 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately. Privately. The Bible says that the way that we biblically confront someone who has hurt us, who has wounded us, is to go in private and talk to them. In other words, don't go cause a big scene. Don't try to embarrass the person by telling everybody about what they did to you. Don't, don't go get all loud. Oh, oh, oh. You won't, you won't believe what they did. You won't believe how they hurt me. You, you, I got to tell it from the rooftop. Tweet about it and text it and Facebook it. I got to let the world know. No, no. No, God does not honor that. The Bible says you go talk to the person privately. There's There's a third principle of biblical confrontation that I want you to see. Number three is attack the problem, not the person. Notice what Scripture says in Matthew 18, verse 15. If another believer sins against you, and of course, this is talking for Christians, but I want you to know this principle works. These principles work inside and outside the church. They will work at your workplace. They'll work with your your, your kids as you're coaching uh, the the ball games or at the ball games and dealing with teachers. I mean, these principles will work. The scripture says this, Matthew 18, 15, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Notice the Bible says to point out the offense. In other words, attack the issue, not the person. Point out the offense. Don't go attacking the person. And so many people do. See, we take it personal oftentimes. Somebody's hurt us, they, they wounded us, they've damaged us, and we take it all personal and we start lashing out and we start saying stuff to people like, you're no good. You're an idiot, you're a jerk. You're a horrible human being since you've done this thing to me. And we start attacking the person. And listen, whenever you attack the person, you're in the flesh. I don't care how good you feel about it. You're in the flesh. But when you attack the issue, that's when you're being spirit-directed and spirit-led. Attack the problem not the person. I want you to see a fourth principle of biblical confrontation. Number four is this. Talk to the person with a heart of reconciliation. Notice this in Matthew 18, verse 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won, notice this, you have won that person back. The goal of biblical confrontation is for the relationship to be restored, to win that person back. Here's the temptation. I struggle with this. You struggle with this. I'm tempted and you're tempted when someone has hurt us, and offended us, and damaged us. You know what the temptation is? The temptation is to lash out. The temptation is to try to get even. The temptation is to try to hurt them and make ourselves feel and look better. The temptation oftentimes is not to try to reconcile the relationship. The the, the temptation is, I'm going to make myself feel better. Matter of fact, some of you right now, as I've been preaching, be like, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to confront, the p- hey, I need to talk to you. My pastor told me I need to confront you and you know how you've been hurting me. I'm going to tell you how I'm feeling. <laughs> no child, you in the flesh, that's not the Lord. Because you don't go with an attitude. You go with a heart of reconciliation. The Bible says you go with the attitude to win them over, to, to restore the relationship. So friends, if we're going to follow God's rules of biblical confrontation, we should go confront the person in love with a good attitude and with the motivation of the relationship being restored. And if we go with the wrong motive, we should not go at all. It's about biblical restoration. Number five is this. Now, before I get to number five, you know, we do this sometimes around here at People's Church, if you're new, a little audience participation. So just look at your neighbor right now and say, I don't really need this message today, but I know you do. So I'm glad you, I'm cool, I'm cool. I should have went and ran the marathon today. I should, girl, I'm telling you, I should, I should be at the arts festival right now. I don't need, I got good people's skills, but I'm glad you're here. Go ahead and tell them. Yeah, go ahead and tell them. Number five, when necessary, take somebody with you. You see, oftentimes, don't miss this, oftentimes, relational problems aren't resolved the first time. It's usually a process. Matter of fact, did you realize that Moses went to Pharaoh 11 different times? He confronted Pharaoh 11 different times before Pharaoh let Israel go free. You see, because oftentimes relationship problems aren't resolved the first time. Matter of fact, Scripture says it like this back in our Scripture. In Matthew 18, verse 16 says, But if you are unsuccessful, if you go confront the person and you go and you go in private and you go and you don't attack the person, you attack the problem and you go with the right heart and attitude for the relationship to be reconciled, there are sometimes you are unsuccessful. Can I tell you that relationships are complicated? And they can be moving targets. And they can be intertwined. and and, I mean, it just can be complicated sometimes. And so Jesus knew this. So he says, listen, if you go the first time, it doesn't work out. If you're unsuccessful, here's what you do. Take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed about two or three witnesses. Now, listen, the goal of taking people with you is not to gang up on that person. It's not like, hey, 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 girl, hey, girl, let's go. Let's go. I need you to go. I need you to go with me. We, It's on. We're going to pull her hair and come conf- No. No. That is not the Lord. Hey, hey, bro, hey, bro, hey. I need y'all to come with me, man. I need y'all to come with me. I'm meeting them. I'm meeting them. Hey, hey, man, I, I want to meet you and talk this out. Meet me. Meet me. Meet me on 10th Street. I know it's dark. In the, I'll meet you on, ten, on outside. Come by yourself. Bye. Come on, let's go. Let's go. No. No, you bring people with you for reconciliation purposes. And so your goal is this. You want to bring one or two people who are godly and who are wise. Because you want them to show up and help you resolve the problem. And see, a godly or wise person, what they'll do is they'll be able to assess and dissect the situation and offer advice and wisdom. The Bible says it that they can confirm, it could be confirmed by two or three witnesses. They can confirm the problem. They can say to the other person, yeah, hey, man, you got an issue. Let's work this out. We love you. I'm not taking sides. I just want it to be it. I want you guys to have peace and so they can help you resolve the problem. But also, listen, you don't want to just take some of your best friends. Like, you know, there are some friends like, I'll go with you. I got your back. I don't care what happens. I got your back. No. It's about a godly and wise. It's not about having your back. It's about resolving the issue. Because a godly and wise person may show up and they may dissect the situation and go, you're not the problem at all. You're the problem. You won't let it go. They, they're forgiven. They're sinned. They're sorry. They're, do, they're saying everything. And you're, you're holding on to this grudge. Listen, you're the Issue. Listen, you keep going. Why are you just, you need to say forgive me more. You need to say, I want you to cry more. Here's some more. I want you to flop on the floor and really be sorry. No, you got issues. What is wrong with you? We have confirmed the problem, and you're the problem. And the Bible says if you're unsuccessful the first time, bring one or two godly people with you because here's the goal the goal is reconciliation. Number six is this when necessary, take the matter to the church. This will work at your workplace. It'll work in the community. So you have a problem at your workplace with a coworker, and you can't seem to resolve it. And you've talked to them privately. You brought one or two of the co-workers to sit down with them. And so now you're left with nothing to say, hey, let's just go talk to management. Let's just go talk to the boss, the supervisor, and see if we can work this out. In the kingdom, in the church. You go to the church, you go to leadership. Matthew 18 verse 17, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Go to the church, invite the church, invite leadership to help resolve the conflict. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or or a corrupt tax collector. That leads me to number seven. Number seven is this, after you've done your part, you have to move on and trust God. Move on and trust God. Let me give you the raw reality. Sometimes people are hard-hearted and they don't want to reconcile. They don't want to honor God. They want to live with no peace. They want to live with tension and friction and mean and bitter. They want to live that way. And so all you can do after you've done all that you could do is to move forward and honor God and just trust God with the situation. Number two is this. Number two is this. Do what you know to do. So first of all, confront the enemy. Number two, do what you know to do. Let me let me unpack this for you. See, sometimes after you obey God and confront the person, your situation will go from bad to worse. Don't miss this. Sometimes you're going with the right heart and the right attitude, and you're going talking to the person, but the situation ends up going from bad to worse, and that's exactly what happened to Moses and Israel. Check this out in Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 5. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away? They asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. Let me paint the picture for you so israel has been in bondage for over 400 years after 11 times of confronting pharaoh moses confronting pharaoh pharaoh finally decides to let israel go free and israel's walking free in the desert they've been can you imagine just picture this with me they've been worshiping god for hours they're finally free I mean, they're singing songs of freedom, they're rejoicing, they're celebrating, and they're coming up, as they're walking, they're coming up on this body of water called the Red Sea. And somebody goes, man, this is Red Sea, what's up with this? And, and then they look back. So they go, look, look. It's the Egyptian army way in the distance. And then they hear one of the Egyptians scream real loud in the distance. We're coming to get you, you. what What do you do when the enemy is chasing you and the Red Sea is before you what do you do when neither option is good if you stay where you are or go back you're going to go back to slavery if the other option if you go through the Red Sea you think I might drown I don't know how this is going to work out what do you do when neither option is good. You see, friends, there are times in life that we're faced with a situation that neither option is good. I think about Daniel in the book of Daniel. Daniel was faced with two options and neither looked good. The Bible says that Daniel was commanded, it was a law. It was a law that was given and the law said this you must pray to the king and not to god it was a law that was a a decree given in the land and daniel was praying to god and daniel knew man this is not good i'll lose either way if i start praying to the king like he wants me to i'll lose favor with god i'll lose my integrity I, I, if I if I do what the king wants me to do, and, 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 and if I don't do what the king wants me to do, and I continue to pray to God, I'm going to get thrown in the lion's den. I don't really care for either option. I don't like it. I think about the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were faced with two options and neither looked good. The enemy was chasing them and the Red Sea was before them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were commanded to bow down and to worship the golden image. When the music played, the whole land was supposed to bow down and worship the image. And they're thinking to themselves, this is not good. If we don't do what they're asking us to do, We're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. If if we we don't do it, if we don't, excuse me, if we don't do it, we're going to dishonor God. We're going to lose our integrity. If, if, if we don't do it, and we're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. If we do what they want us to do, we lose out with God. We lose out. Either way, we lose. We're going to get thrown into the fire furnace, or we're going to lose God's favor. We're going to lose his blessing. we're We're going to, we're going to, we're going to mess everything up if we follow what they want us to do and bow down. What do you do when neither option is good? It happens in life. What do you do when the boss says, you better fudge those numbers or you're going to lose your job? And if you fudge the numbers, you lose your integrity. If you don't fudge the numbers, you lose your job. What do you do when the coworker says, listen, if we just tell this lie, we'll both get a raise. Just lie with me. We'll get a raise and neither option is good cuz now you know if i don't tell if i tell the lie i'll get the raise but if i if i if i don't if i do if i do tell the lie i'll lose my integrity i'll get the raise but i lose my integrity if i if i don't do it i don't get the raise i don't like either option what do you do when your boyfriend says to you i want you to sleep with me i want you to sleep with me i want you to sleep with me and you're thinking man if i don't he's pressuring me he's going to leave me i'll be all alone I'll be by myself. My heart will be broken. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't like either option because if I do what he wants me to do, I lose out with God. I lose my integrity. I lose favor with God. But, but, but if, I, if, I, if I don't do what he wants me to do, he'll walk out on me. He might leave me. What do you do? Well, neither option looks good. When your fellows say, hey, come to the club with us. Saturday night. We're going to the strip club. We want you to come with us. We want you to come on. Come hang with us. And you're like, these are my boys. We've been fellas since junior high. We've been great friends all through high school. We've been friends in our adult years and and they're pressuring you and you're thinking to yourself, I don't like either option right now because if I do go, I lose out with favor with God. I lose my integrity. I lose my reputation. But if I don't go, my friends are going to say to me, look at you, church boy. Oh, you a holy roller now. A church And they may not be my friends. What do you do when the enemy is chasing you and the Red Sea is before you? I'll tell you what you do. When you don't know what to do, you do what you know to do. When you don't know what to do, you do what you know to do. And what happened, the Bible says that Moses, God had told him to put out the rod over the Red Sea. And Moses simply said, I don't like the option. The Red Sea is before us. The enemy is chasing us. And what do you do when either option looks good? You just do what God wants you to do. And you put out the staff like God said. And God parted the Red Sea. And the Israel's like, man, if we walk through the water, may fall on us, we may drown. But all we can do right now is what we know to do. And God said, walk through the Red Sea. I think about Daniel. Daniel's had to do what he knew to do. Daniel said, yes, I can start praying to the king, but no, I'm in a hard spot, but all I can do is what I know to do. I may get thrown to that lion's dead, but I'm going to honor God. I'm going to continue to pray to God. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're faced with two horrible options. The enemy is chasing them. The Red Sea is before them. Yes, we could bow down to the golden image, but we dishonor God. That's not what God would have us to do. We don't know what to do, so we're going to do what we know to do and we're going to stand up for God. We're going to honor God. We're going to continue to worship Jehovah. We're going to continue to praise his name. And some of you, you're right there. The Red Sea's in front of you. The enemy is chasing you. And I'm telling you, do what you know to do. Honor God. Keep your integrity. Keep praying. Keep loving people. Turn the other cheek. Forgive when you have the Red Sea in front of you and the enemy chasing you. Do what you know to do and honor your heavenly father. Point number three is this. Point number three, the third thing that I want you to see, this is so critical. Turn your battle over to God. Turn your battle over to God. When the enemy is chasing you and the Red Sea is before you and you choose to honor God, here's what I want you to know. You invite God to work in your situation. But when you choose to disobey God and you choose to bow down and you choose the route of not keeping your integrity and you choose the route of disobeying God, you choose the route, even though you know what to do, you don't do it. Can I tell you, the door shuts and you close the close the door for God to work in your situation. I want you to see this. I want you to see how they trusted God and they turned the battle over to the the Lord in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13 and 14. It says this, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you. Today, watch the Lord, the Lord. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That's a word for somebody in this place. The Red Sea's before you. The enemy is chasing you. And the word of the Lord for you is, listen, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Honor God. Keep your integrity. Do the right thing. It doesn't look good. The Red Sea, you think he might drown. You think the enemy might take you over. Honor God. It goes on to say in verse 23 in Exodus chapter 14, then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers chased them in the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. God began to fight for Israel. Verse 25, he twisted the chariot wheels making their, their their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites. The Egyptians shouted, "The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt." Friends, that's not a fairy tale. That's how God worked then and that's how God works now. When you're in a rock and a hard place and you've confronted and you've tried your best and things have turned out worse than you thought they would and the red sees it in front of you and the enemy is chasing you, honor God and God will fight for you. Ask Daniel. Ask Daniel. Ask Daniel. Daniel, he honored God. And he continued to pray to God. It didn't look good. It got worse. He got thrown into the lion's den. But since he honored God, God will fight your battle for you. And God showed up in that lion's den and shut the lion's mouth. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't bow down to a golden image. It was tough. And things actually turned out worse. And the Bible says they were thrown into the fiery furnace. But a fourth man showed up. God showed up and fought their battle for them and he protected them in the middle of the fire because that's the kind of God we serve when we honor him. God will fight for us. Let me share a few scriptures with you as I close. Psalms 18 and verse 3. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. I have been saved from my enemies. Turn your battle over to the Lord, and God will fight for you. Psalms 44 and verse 7, you are the one who gives us victory over our enemies. You disgrace those who hate us. Do you believe God? You believe his word? He is the one that gives you. If you really believe that you quit trying to get even, you quit having an attitude problem, you let go of the bitterness. If you really believe God will fight for me if I will honor him, turn it over to the Lord. Psalms chapter 30 and verse number 1. I will exalt you, Lord, for you rescued me. You refused to let my enemies triumph over me. When you honor God, he'll fight for you. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19. Dear friends, never. Come on, everybody shout never. I want you to catch this. Dear friends, never take revenge. Because when you take revenge, you shut the door for God to work in your situation. But when you don't take revenge you don't retaliate and you don't try to get even and you don't turn around and say, well, the Red Sea's here. I guess I'm just going to take you out or hurt you. But when you trust God, the Bible says this in verse 19, leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take Revenge, God says, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies, we all face them. If your enemies, we all face people who try to sabotage our destiny and keep us from the other side. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil with good, by doing good. When the Red Sea is in front of you and the enemy is chasing you, honor God. Trust God. Keep your integrity. And God will fight the battle for you. And Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. And as, itch, as Egypt chased him through the Red Sea, the waters collapsed upon the Egyptian army. And they lost their lives. Because Israel honored God. And God will do the same for you. That's how you get to the other side of an enemy.